everyone. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by the regular rugby crew, that is Wesley and Sam, and we have a special guest on this week. Uh, we are delighted to be joined by uh, Ben James, who works for Wales Online. Ben, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I'm a little bit... Uh, I'm, enjoy- I'm enjoying the, the fruits of World Rugby's labour. There's, there's a few complimentary glasses of wine flowing in Paris right now. But, uh, yeah, I see that. It looks, yeah, so Ben is actually in Paris currently, so it's good to get a, a man on the ground. We've got boots on the ground, Westy, getting us all the, the intel. <laughs> Oh, that's uh, always going to be your man on the ground. You will be. You will be soon. Yeah, you're you're a week late, man. Come on. Yeah, uh, yeah is good buzz in the media center. Good. Is it you know a bit of a, a good hype around World Cup week? It, it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one because obviously it's a fair bit of media here in Paris. Obviously, we're in, we're in Roland Garros, which is a slightly strange thing um, in sort of the tennis center. And there's a lot of media here just for. I mean, it's been quite a boring day in terms of World Rugby briefings, but I think a lot of the sort of the travelling media are, are in the host city. So I imagine all the Irish boys are, I don't know where Ireland are based at the minute, but the English boys are elsewhere. We're just quite lucky with the Welsh boys that we are based in Versailles, so it's only a, a quick trip across to Paris. But um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a job to, to get a... A real grasp of the amount of uh, the media that are out here. There's, there's a few sort of Welsh traveling journalists, a couple of English boys, but we haven't seen any of the Irish boys yet. But I imagine there's there's plenty over. We're keeping ourselves to ourselves over there, I'm sure. You know, early nights, early nights. Uh, yeah, Sam West, Sam Westy, uh, obviously great to have you here as always. I know Westy Pool C has been one of your, you know, one of your most exciting pools to because it, it really is anyone's pool to a certain degree, right? Yeah, I think like the beauty of the well, maybe well, maybe the beauty and a, a beast as well. But to be the Fiji result against England two weekends ago just kind of shows how open like this pool can be. Now, maybe from a Fiji perspective, that result will have come two weeks too early. You know, it would have been great if they could have maybe caught Wales a little bit unawares in the first fixture. But uh, maybe Ben can confirm. I don't think since two thousand and seven, I don't think any uh, Wales fan has ever not been prepared for Fiji. No, no, we we live in fear. We literally live in <laughs> Fiji. I mean, we. It's funny because 2011 we beat them 66 nil, and I was speaking to a few journalists here earlier, and they were like, "Well, oh, that was maybe Gatland's best performance as a Wales coach, 66 nil against Fiji." But I'm, I may be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure like Fiji had like a week's preparation for that World Cup, and there was disputes and all sorts of issues with training. So there's not a lot you can read. To. Every time, every time we play Fiji, it is. Just a nightmare. Um, 2015, we squeaked by them. 2019, all I remember is um, to us over, just going over Josh Adams in the corner to begin with. 2021, we probably should have lost. They didn't get a red card. Yeah, we, we, we don't like playing PG. Um And then Australia, don't really like playing them either. Um And Christ, now, now Georgia are beating us as well. So um, I'm looking forward to the win over Portugal. <laughs> well, that's why it's such a glorious group for people it is. who are from that group. Yeah, it's because and Wesley will. Wesley's a big uh, Georgia Portugal kind of follower, and he will. I have both jerseys over here. Just to I don't jerseys. know why I'm not wearing them, but I have both of them folded here, ready to be packed. <laughs> He's spent too much money on jerseys in the past month, uh, but they all look sick. So it's it's great. 
Ben, the general, what's the general sense of this Welsh team? Even Gatland, it's been an absolutely an absolute roller coaster of the past few months. You've got some of the greats that retired before the World Cup. Dan Bigger came out recently and said he's going to retire afterwards. We've got players being what waterboarded, like they're on SAS. Who dares wins? <laughs> it's been a weird couple of months, Ben, for Wales for Welsh rugby. Uh, yeah, so um, going going back to last December, I didn't I didn't take a holiday until June. I, I basically worked six months straight, um, just did not take any holidays, and it was just just been a mental six months. With I mean, the CEO went. Uh, there was a sexism allegation in the union, um, strike action ahead of the England game, which you know would have been fun. It probably would have banked up the union if it knocked on the heads. Um, there's a player exodus in the regions. Basically, the game's fucked. Um, and I, I, yeah, as you say, waterboard, waterboarding. I think they they clarified it. It wasn't quite waterboarding um, because, again, I, I wasn't quite paying attention in that particular press conference when Warren said about pouring water on players' faces. But afterwards, someone said to me. What did you make of that quote? And I said, well, that, that to me sounds like waterboarding. But uh, as it turns out, it wasn't quite the case. But yeah, it's been... I've, I've never known a time in Welsh rugby quite as chaotic as this. Um, the last... Yeah, the, la- the last 12 years... Or 12 months, rather. Um, it's not been quite that long. The last 12 months have just been ridiculously chaotic. Um, you know, we, we, I, I can recall... I think just before the end of the season, some some journalist tried to sum it up all in, in one tweet and he missed out probably about four or five major points. You know, you had Dai Young being suspended by Cardiff, Dean Ryan left the Dragons, just just so many different things. Obviously, Wayne Pivak was sacked less than a year before the World Cup. Warren's back. Um, a less than stellar Six Nations. Uh, beat Italy, which was pleasantly surprising. Uh, given where they are at the minute, but otherwise four four defeats from the other games. Uh, the thing the thing with Warren is I think he places a lot of stock in time in camp, and I think they'll be better for the um for the summer they've had. They've also had a lot of retirements, which in a way I think will help them. I think guys like Alan Wynn, Justin Tipperick, Reese Webb have all retired, but it probably allows this Wales team to um. It's almost start afresh. You know, you look at the two captains, Jack Morgan, Dewey Lake. It's an interesting move to have co-captains, but they're, they're, they're two young guys, um, both in their early 20s. Um, both heavily invested in the Welsh language, which I mean, sort of in terms of the image of this Welsh team is quite important. I just think, particularly given the side of the draw, there's a, there's a real chance this Wales team to... to Surprise a few people, so I think that there is. I sort of felt it all throughout the summer in terms of doing media with the guys, and it just feels like there's a there's a newfound positivity there, which wasn't there during the Six Nations. Like, you know, I recall during the Six Nations, literally flagging down cars at their team hotel, and and players look shattered inside. Whereas now. There is there is some sort of positivity. Even even Dan Bigger's retirement feels like, you know, to Dan it was important that he retired on his own terms. But 
it feels like a farewell tour for him and he's going to embrace this tournament and he's going to he's going to enjoy his senior player so in that sense it does feel like sort of from from the ashes of a, a horrendous 12 months there are there are sort of some green shoots of recovery for Welsh rugby whether it's enough in this in this group I, I I really don't know but yeah yeah it, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't feel as negative as it was six months ago but I mean what, what's as negative as death row <laughs> yeah that's true Sam do you do you, do you feel that uh, same optimism about the, uh, at least as a fresh sort of a start or fresh kind of energy around the Welsh camp looking on from the outside I think it's kind of it's an interesting one with Gatland. I was going to ask you what you kind of thought the long-term plan behind the whole Gatland thing was because obviously he signed the deal and people were surprised it wasn't a short-term deal. It was kind of, everyone thought it was kind of a, a plaster and over. And he's got, in this squad I counted, I think it's nine or 10 sub-10 cap players in it and a lot of big names, like you said, a, a retired kind of pre-World Cup, quite surprisingly. Do you think that this is kicking the can down the road for an inevitable, you know, successful period under Gatland with then another real down period when he he goes again in a few years time or do you think that he has the the personality and the coaching type to to set up and to leave Wales in a better position down the line because it, it's it's an interesting situation that they got themselves into going back to a, a successful yeah. coach like that and then do they just leave this four years down the line for another potential disaster or do you think that bringing in these young lads like this might kind of allow them to go forward and to grow and then to kind of have a, a nice sort of succession plan. Yeah, my, my, my gut instinct was always that Gatlin should... Well, when he came back, I suppose it was a, it was a five-year deal and the first year was guaranteed and then I suppose four years on top of that, there was... I guess it was dependent on clauses, but from what Nigel Walker, the, the interim CEO, has said recently, he cannot see a... Uh, for see a, a future where those clauses are, are met in the sense that Gatlin has relieved his duties ahead of 2027. So it does feel like Gatlin's here for the next four years. It's a tough one because I suppose when they decided to get rid of Wayne Pivak, Gatlin on some levels made sense in the terms of short-term thinking, get to the World Cup, see what you can do. He's always thrived on on longer camps. Um, you know, you think back to 2011, he made a lot of personnel changes, did well there. 2015, 2019, you know, when he gets the boys together, I feel like he does manage to forge a real togetherness in the squad. I mean, in terms of his own coaching credentials, he's probably suffered a little bit since he left Wales in 2019. Um, you know, the Chiefs, you know, he couldn't buy a win. The Lions tour in 2021, I mean, I, I've never really known such a negative sort of tour as a, as a whole. That was just a, a deeply unenjoyable experience to be a part of. Um, the problem with the problem with this, I, I don't know who there is outside of Gatland to take us forward in the next four years. You know, Scott Robertson's got the uh, the All Blacks job moving forward. I mean, Razzy Erasmus getting linked with everyone at the moment, so throw he is. I want to compare him to Elon Musk, so I'm, I'm terrified of him getting the job. Um, you know, I've had I've had enough death threats from the South Africans in recent years without <laughs> Razzie getting the job. Um, you know, would 
Ronan, Ronan O'Gara genuinely is, you know, someone you'd look at, but is he, is he really going to take the Wales job when the likelihood is there is there is a path there in Ireland should he want it, whether it's Munster, whether it's Ireland. You know, he, he can he can pick and choose his jobs as he pleases. It, it's a tough one because we don't have a great habit of developing coaches in Wales. I mean, we, we, we tend to almost, the minute something slightly goes wrong, we dispense of intellectual sort of um, talent. You know, obviously Rob Howley, it's a different set of reasons, you know, four years ago. Um, but, you know, he has another job since in Wales. Uh, that may change soon, but I, I don't know that that's the case. You know, he's working with Pand at the minute. Ron McBride went to Leinster, where he's, I believe, he's greatly thought of. But again, didn't get a job with the Regents after he left Wales. Uh, someone like Mark Jones went to the Crusaders, worked under Scott Robertson after O'Gara left his defensive job. Uh, I mean, he's had the tw- he's had the twenties gig with us this summer, and he's working for the Ospreys now. But I, I don't think he's, you know, he, he certainly he, he wasn't offered an attack coach job with uh, with Gatland before the Six Nations. We, we just don't seem to have that habit of developing coaches, so it, it, it's a tough one. I, I you know, yeah. the long and the short is Gatland is going to be here for the next four years, and it's a tough one to work out where we'll go because we we've got. A host of players who are at one end of the spectrum in the sense of they're very un- inexperienced. Then we've got a host of players who will more than likely retire after this World Cup. You know, guys that will Dan Biggers in nice retirement. Dan Lydia probably won't go on too much longer. There's a few other players who are in that age bracket. We haven't really got anyone in that sort of middle ground. So it's... It wouldn't shock me if Wales had a a surprisingly pleasing World Cup, but then there was there was tougher days to come, sort of twenty four, twenty five. Yeah, I know, I know, it's a, it's a tough one. Uh, we'll briefly leave Wales. Um, Westy, I want to throw to you. Are Georgia and Fiji genuine threats to, to top this group and, and to get out of this group? Um, yeah, well, Fiji more so than Georgia. I, I think it's highly unlikely that Georgia will have a massive upset. Um, in the group, I mean, obviously they had a good result against Wales kind of um, last year, 18 months, 18, 12 months ago. Um, yeah. And they've beaten Italy as well kind of in the last 12 months. Um, their performance on that, I mean, they looked pretty dangerous against Scotland for the first 50 minutes. They held them to 6-0 and then Scotland opened the floodgates and got past them. So um, I like the way Georgia are playing. They've really expanded beyond the old, we're going to get a penalty out of every scrum and we're just going to like, break your will to go on they have exciting backs now some of whom are playing in in france as well so um and obviously have that black lion team that's added to the challenge cup for next year so like things are on the up um again it's another case of maybe they got the win over wales a little bit too early that they've kind of lost that maybe air of um that that's potential surprise victory like I mean, this is a carbon copy of the group from the last World Cup, except we Portugal instead of Uruguay. Um, so again, I don't think Australia or Wales are would be caught unawares by Georgia. They probably have played them well, not as much in the in the interim few years, but they they know what they the kind of thing they bring to World Cups. And I think both teams won comfortably by two or three scores in the last World Cup. So Georgia a little bit, not so much. I would love to see it because I I like 
even I don't know if you know their head coach was in a coma for like a month because after COVID, yeah. like it's just you know everything kind of seems to go against them at times and they get these results. But Fiji are your real contenders. Like the 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 topography of Fiji has changed completely. They now have eighteen players in that squad who play for the Fijian Drua who play who train week in, week out together. They've had a great spell together. They've still got the likes of Batia, Randrandra, uh, Matavesi, these guys in the premiership in the French leagues who are out and out stars of the um of, of those leagues, as well as you've got a handful of Olympic gold medalists in there. If you don't think Olympic gold medalists know how to get through a tournament, do you know, like they definitely have the mental edge, they have the continuity. Um again, my only worry is maybe they got that win over England just a little bit too early, you know. But um again I it's not a thing of talent. It's a thing of cohesion. And can they put the performances together back to back? I think their biggest problem is the first game is, is Wales and their second game is Australia. They really don't have time to ramp up. They really don't have time to make a mistake. And we could be in a very real situation by after their second game, they know they're not getting out of the pool stages. And that really changes what happens next. So, yes, I think Fiji really are a contender, but they're unlucky. Same way we're quite lucky from an Irish perspective in the way our fixtures come. They're quite unlucky in the way their fixtures come. Um, Georgia, my heart, I'd love to see it. I really, I don't think you can write them off. Um, but again, first game against Australia, they'd really have to hit the ground running to get that, to, to make that a potential reality. Is there any chance of catching Australia a little bit cold, maybe first game, or Australia just have played too much recently with the with the you know rugby championship? Um, yeah, I, I think with Australia is. When you look at okay, the results haven't gone their way, but not all of the performances have been really poor, especially their last game against New Zealand. I think they were leading up until the last five, ten minutes. I, I can't remember exactly when New Zealand turned it on in that game. Um, a very similar situation to Wales, right? You've got a, a coach brought in for five years, brought in a lot of young players. If Carter Gordon doesn't start the competition well, he's their only 10. Really, now they have um, Ben Donaldson, I see the other um, plays, covers 10. Um, so, yeah, there is a chance that he get, they catch a young team unaware but I, I do think Australia are maybe playing a little bit better than the results show in the end um, but yeah there's every chance that Georgia could show up for that game and, and we could have a really really interesting pool and, and again I want to say I said in the last podcast third is really really important here last year or last in 2019 Fiji got that third place spot if Georgia guaranteed that third place spot that changes a lot for them going forward so even if the results don't go their way there's still a lot there to fight for but yeah, I do think there's a chance. There's a chance Georgia will catch, uh, will catch Australia unaware. But I do think, and I don't mean this as a slight against Wales. I do think it's slightly more likely that Fiji will catch Wales unaware. It's just in the nature of the way they've been playing. But that's not a slight at either team. It's just just the way it, it lies at the middle. I think. Absolutely, uh, Sam. Portugal obviously are probably the weakest team in this group. But uh, you know the, the dramatics of them qualifying for this that last gasp kind of penalty. It is a great story. And also talk a little bit about Australia and how far you think they can go in this competition. I think Australia are a funny one because, like Wes was said, their their results haven't necessarily been the best. But you've just got that Eddie Jones factor. He knows how to uh, he knows how to play tournament rugby. He's been successful where he's gone. He also probably keeping something a little up his sleeve at the moment going into a World Cup. You know, he's t- he tends to do that. And he has a squad of players there that if they can click and with the being where they are on their side of the draw, there's every chance that they can go quite far. Like I know we were talking to Andy Friend before he left Galway and he he would have known Eddie Jones quite well and coached with him uh, and he'd be an Australian. And he was actually quite positive about their chances going into the World Cup. And I think that 
if Australia can click and they can turn it on like they have done in elements of the last few weeks and uh, matches they've been playing, they have every chance. It's a squad selection thing. I think that Wesley said they're quite lighted out half and it's what Eddie Jones does with that, how he approaches using a bench and how he approaches a full squad, I think will really be telling. Uh, and then to not get caught unawares early in it and to try and just kind of ride out the pool stages. And once you get to the quarterfinals, semifinals, you're realistically using... 25 players your squad of 33 kind of gets reduced again barring injury so i think once he can get out of the pool stages without anything like that you know anything catastrophic happening he is the man who i know it didn't work out in the final but he orchestrated that england win in the semi-final against new zealand four years ago he's he's capable of doing that and there's every chance that he's capable of unleashing something that we haven't seen or or having some sort of game plan that makes them a fucking arsehole to play against and makes it really really difficult for anyone else so once they get through the group stages which i think they will i think that they will be you know fairly confident going into all matches after that because of the eddie jones factor and because of the players they have available to them and the side of the draw they're on i think all things work out for them once they just get past the potential stumbling blocks of a fiji and to a lesser extent to georgia uh, and then like you said i know portugal probably won't get a win in this tournament I, i'd love to see them get one win maybe the georgia win i'd love to see something come for them because uh, like west you know i'm a big fan of them and a big fan of the tier two nations and the, the rugby champ or the European rugby championship and just want to see that progress and getting results on this stage a la Uruguay uh, and previous in previous World Cup smaller teams that have gotten one or two results that have kick-started interest in rugby in the countries and you know allow them to get more sponsorship and funding into their local into, into their local grassroots clubs and it builds and builds and builds I know we're 20 something years down the line but it was what was going on in Italy is it's they needed a little bit of success and a little bit of notoriety to get that and to, to finally see that come to fruition. So you'd like to see that for more teams and if Portugal could get any sort of win, I think that it would be huge for them as a as a country and for their rugby. I agree with Sandra on the Portugal point. Like I mean, about two years ago they got a draw against Georgia. So I think they'll be really be targeting that game for a win. It's also just worth, you know, you talk about these teams getting into one off World Cups. This is 15 years since they were last in the World Cup. Most of that squad were 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Like they have a very young squad. Like This is what getting into a World Cup can do for rugby in your country if it's any way handled right. And there was a time there where Portugal dropped down to the, what they call it, the Tier 3 Six Nations, where it looked like it was completely over for them. And last three or four years, they've climbed right back up that rank. They're now, they finished second this year. They're above uh, Spain, above Romania, who are in our pool. You know? So I think Spain are also playing players that aren't Spanish. So, like. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think any country can really argue that point anymore. Uh, <laughs> Spain were playing players that didn't even have any right. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even go through the channels. Uh, ben, let's talk about uh, Wales' squad. Uh, give us some uh, players that maybe excite you coming into it and uh, maybe any potential weak points in that squad. Um, looking, looking at the squads, I think at the minute. It's a tough one, I think. I think the two co-captains are going to have a really big part to play. I think Dewey Lake should nail down Finn's permitting the, the hooker jersey, and I think that'll make a big difference to the scrum. Um, you know, the Welsh scrum hasn't looked brilliant in the warm-up games. I think they gave away a lot of penalties, um, probably averaging about four or five penalties conceded a game. But again... Looking at the way that Fiji scrum, it's a sort of slower process. And looking at the way that Australia scrum, I know Angus Bella is getting a lot of praise, but I don't know. I don't think, I think he really just wants to get around his tight head and not really scrummage too square. So I think 
if Wales get their front row right, I think Dewey Lake and, and whoever they pick as props can certainly get parity. And then I think Jack Morgan's going to have a big tournament uh, as what the other co-captain. Just, just, just one of those players. I mean, it's it's mad to think that what just over a year ago Wayne Pivak didn't take him to South Africa because he didn't think he was big enough. As a, as a sort of breakdown threat, I mean, he, he carries above his weight. He he, he is just such a, a jackal threat, and he's just one of those sort of players who who is into everything. I think he's nailed down the seven jersey now, and um, I, I can see those having a big tournament. Um, I'm intrigued to see the the sort of dynamic with fly half. I think obviously Dan Biggers announced retirement. Whether he starts or whether they go with the sort of the younger Sam Costello and almost replicate that that um that dynamic they wanted uh four years ago when Gareth Anscombe was the um the starting choice and then Bigger came on to offer a more pragmatic approach from the bench. I could see them wanting to do that with with Costello uh starting games. You know he's a he's a more maybe enigmatic fly half. Um, that's not to do a disservice to Dan, but uh, you know, Costello makes things happen. But again, he's he's a nuggety little fly off. He's brave, he puts himself into the tackle, he he doesn't shirk things. So he I think there's a good balance there with those two. The area that that, that worries me, I think, is is probably midfield. I still don't think we know who our best centre choice is, you know, we the last four years, we've flitted between Nick Tompkins, Jonathan Davis at 12 for a while, which, you know, his international career ended quite a while ago. Uh, Johnny Williams, Matt Thuellen's played there. We had Joe Hawkins for about six, six of the last, however many, nine tests uh, until he was uh, captured by the, the um, 25 capital since he's gone to Exeter, so he's ineligible. So I, I don't feel we've got a, a settled midfield pairing. I think George North will, will start at thirteen. I think he's, I think he's underrated in midfield. I think he, you know, pe- people think of the George North of twenty thirteen, the sort of the rampaging winger who just looked unstoppable on Lions tour. I think he's become a more mature sort of player. I think he's his tackle choice is really good for an outside centre. He, he doesn't make he makes the right decisions in defence, and he. He's defensively solid. I think that's what you want from a 13. Maybe maybe not as exciting to watch as he was, say, 10 years ago, but I think I think he'll be a 13. It's uh, it's 12. Um, whether it's Johnny Williams, whether it's Nick Tompkins, I, I, I don't know which way they'll go with that. But that's that's the area I, I worry about uh, just a little, yeah. It... it it, it, it just doesn't feel like we've nailed down any sort of combination over the last sort of World Cup cycle. George North's fourth World Cup, which is pretty uh, crazy to think, because he still seems like such a young man as well, which he is. Yeah. But like you know, he's been around a while. A while. Uh, we'll finish up with this, Ben. I want to go through just a, kind of worst case, best case scenario for Wales of this World Cup, and we can start with yourself, but. What is the worst case scenario for Wesleyan's World Cup? Is it two wins? Is it potentially one win? Is it is it that bad, or is that being harsh in Wales? And what is can they top this group as well on the on the higher side? I mean, I suppose the the ultimate worst case scenario is one win. 
uh, and that's against Portugal. I I think they'll beat Georgia. I, I I do think Georgia will have some sort of say in this group. I think it's going to be fascinating. I think you've got that sort of three-way tussle between Wales, Australia, Fiji. But I think Georgia will have some sort of say. I don't know what that'll be, but I think they'll have some sort of say. So I suppose worst case is one win. Your realis- realistic worst case is two wins in Fiji and Australia, because which, which isn't out of the realm of possibilities. But at the end of the day, we're ranked 10th in the world. I think Fiji are 7th, Australia are ninth. you know. Going on that, you know, we're underdogs. But um, that, that's, that's the fascinating thing about how the draws come out. It is just as likely to me that Wales reach a World Cup semi-final as they go out in the group stages. You know, they either lose to Fiji on Sunday, lose to Australia um, in Lyon, and they're out of the group stages, or they get their way through the group. They beat they beat an England team, which is, you know, basically trying to fit. We've had a year of chaos in Welsh rugby. I think I feel like English rugby have decided to fit all that in six weeks. You know, they're they're just they're all at sea. You know, it's just you know, Danny Cipriani's book is the the tin hat on the whole thing. We could easily beat them. Argentina, Argentina seem to be the sort of team that we we tend to somehow turn up against and, and beat, whereas they they beat the likes of Australia and England. And then you're in a World Cup semi-final. And um, yeah, it, that, that's that's what makes this World Cup so fascinating to me is because I genuinely can't tell you whether we'll be out of the full stages or in a semi-final. Um, that, that is the best. Like, genuinely, that is the most exciting in West Ham. I know you feel the same. I, I totally agree. I could easily see Wales get to a World Cup semi-final or easily not. Uh, it's it's Westy. Do you feel the same? Do you do you think what 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 do you think of those two possibilities? What's what's what are you going with? Yeah, I, mean, I definitely think both are possible. I mean, I always said it before that Wales under Gatlin always seemed to be greater than the sum of their parts. They were always a kind of a separate franchise team in and of themselves. But when players got into camp and playing, I think. Um, no more than the likes of England and Australia too as well. It's, it's not necessarily the standard of their players has dropped. It's not that like they've hit a, a bare patch of generational talent. There is still talent there coming through. Okay, the maybe combinations aren't as well established now at international levels we've seen for the last few years. But um, yeah, Andre Gatland, as I say, like Wales have a habit of overperforming, and you know if they even still have a part of that, then. It's hard to see them going out in the group. I mean, again, I, I love the fairy tale of it. Like, I I would love to see Fiji or Georgia with a massive upset. Like, even a part of me loved when Japan beat us. I was like, this is unbelievable. Like, Japan have just, you know, or when Japan topped the group actually overall. Um, but yeah, I I think you guys are right. It's kind of equally likely that Wales come away with maybe two wins as as Wales can top the group. I mean, and then I, I do think it's much for much just on the other side. It's England or Argentina, right? England are a team. Wales can beat, even though they couldn't beat them with uh, their playing against 12 men there a couple of weeks ago. Um, sorry, that's a bit of a low blow. Um, warm-up games don't count. we we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it's wide open. Um, I've seen a lot of, like, especially Southern Hemisphere pundits are all predicted Fiji, Australia. They're saying it's the downfall of Wales. Um, I, I'm i not 100% sure what I believe, as you guys have said. It's, it's just a really tough one to call. I, like, Wales, Australia are your most likely to get through, the most established teams, but it is very likely that you know, there's a scenario here where Fiji beat Wales, Wales beat Australia, Australia beat Fiji. And then as Ben said, that's where your Georgia game could be make or break. So um, I'm guaranteeing at least one upset, upset in the pool, but I I still think maybe you might see a bit, in my mind, anticlimactical, both Wales and Australia go into the next round. 
Sam, this is where you predict Portugal top the group. This is where you, you finish this podcast with a bang. Give it to us. Portugal top the group, then get thrown out of the World Cup because they're playing <laughs> a bunch of lads who've never even been to Portugal before. Ineligible <laughs> players, yeah. Ineligible players, left, right and centre in that rugby <laughs> European Championship. No, I, I think uh, I think that I, I'd like to see Fiji get through at the expense of probably, you know, being the bitter Six Nations parochial fan that I am at the expense of Wales. Uh, but that's, <laughs> I also grew up going on my cousins in Wales. So any chance to rub it into their faces, they're from Monmouth. Any chance to rub it into their faces is even better. So uh, I would I would like to see that happen. Uh, but I'm wary of Gatland because we have sat here and we can listen to the Irish media talk about how badly managed the last uh, Lions tour was. There's no denying that Gatland knows how to win. He's fucking won more Grand Slams than anyone else. And even in the last World Cup, it was the South Africa game. They were the most likely team to beat South Africa. They they put them right to the sword. And if if Wales get through the group, there's no stopping them in any game because Gatland is a smart enough coach that he can he can put a winning tactics and a winning team out there against anyone on their day. Like it's it's the type of like Eddie Jones. It's just that he has something about him, and it might not show week to week, but when it comes to that knockout rugby. Those are the sort of skills that you really need in a coaching ticket, and he has them, and he has the experience there. So I, I like I would be wary of them if they get through. I think that they they'd be more likely to get to the final having got through than like if they they might not even actually get through. That's kind of how I see Wales. Yeah, I think that sums it up well. Uh, well, look, it all kicks off for Wales Sunday, tenth September at eight PM against Fiji. I think we'll all be watching that. Ben, thank you very thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate, it, especially no the worries. fact you're over in France. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Have a few more glasses of vino as well while you're at it. You might as well. Uh, and yeah, appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you. Night night. No